Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Ask the Expert North Texas podcast. I'm Kristen Diaz. I'm David Rankin. As of this week, just about all Americans are now eligible to get the COVID vaccine. FDA and the CDC both approved the last group to receive either the Pfizer or the Moderna vaccine, and that's kids under the age of six. Now the questions begin. Will parents actually take the time to get their youngest kids vaccinated? On today's Ask the Expert, we're joined by Dr. Tim Braze, the director of UT Dallas's Institute for Urban Policy Research. He is in the KRLD Zoom room. Dr. Bray, it's so late in the vaccination season. So many people have gotten their boosters and those that have refused to get the vaccine kind of have put, you know, set down their roots how big of an issue is this for parents of younger kids at this point? Well, I'll tell you, David, what we tend to see is that vaccine uptake, the, the willingness, the, the, when the lines form, et cetera, tends to coincide with when we have outbreaks. So while a lot of people may have it available to them now, they may not be thinking about it until, let's say, later this fall, if we have another spike or another surge, uh, if panic starts to set in again, that's when we see people motivated to go get in line and and get that free vaccine. So, you know, I don't think we'll know just yet what that uptake is going to look like. And when we see this uptake, are they bringing their kids to? I mean, we know not, you know, not all kids have had the opportunity yet to be able to get the vaccine until most recently, but wanted to know just is the whole family coming or is it just the adults? Well, so parents have been asking um, this has been a question. Now, we do have lower vaccination rates, even for as long as the 5 to 11-year-old range has been out. That vaccination rate is still less than what we see among adults. Um, primarily, that's because what, what the, the story is, the common understanding, is that while kids may catch COVID, they're less likely to be impacted by serious COVID infections. They're less likely to have serious respiratory illness. They're less likely to have um, serious other complications. Now, where the blessing is, is that this vaccine is available to kids who may have immunocompromised uh, situations, right? There are kids who, if they catch this, they will get it worse because they have a comorbidity or, or a, uh, an illness that puts them at risk. Also for kids, young kids who live in households 
with family members, maybe it's grandma, maybe it's mom or dad, who are immune compromised. And so the ability to, for that family to have access to this vaccine, which maybe means this kid can go to school now um, with other kids because I'm not worried about them coming home and carrying COVID to my grandmother or my auntie who is uh, who's weak and can't afford to catch it. Aren't those parents, though, the ones with the immunocompromised kids or family members, aren't they more likely to get the vaccine for their kids? Yeah, they, you, they how- are, David. They're, I mean, they're already motivated, right? And, and so I think, again, what happens is there's, um, and, and you mentioned this earlier, there's sort of a, uh, there's a, a mindfulness, I guess, is a way of thinking about it, a mindset almost um, that, that, has, that has sort of settled in. And what chips away at that vaccine hesitancy, especially for folks who are in, uh, they're not opposed to it, but they're in a wait and see mindset, is when we start to have an outbreak, when we start to see deaths increase, when we start to see hospital rooms uh, and, and uh, ICU beds, um, being occupied, that tends to move it front of mind for folks. And that calculus that they do in their head where they're saying, well, this is what I've heard. This is what the evidence says. It begins to tilt in favor of what they might perceive as taking a risk and going to get a vaccine. We've already gone through one school year where um, some kids have been able to get vaccinate, vaccinated and others not. As we move into the future, that will uh, that gap will lessen and lessen where more kids will be able to come to school fully vaccinated. Do you expect an uptick as uh, we round out the summer to see more families come through? Uh, yeah, I think as, as folks start to evaluate where they're at, right, you know, it, we do this every summer. June, July, we're celebrating middle of July to August. We start to think about getting the school supplies. We start to settle our routines down. For kids who are starting school, it's visits to the pediatrician for, um, for their back to school physical because they're gonna be in band or they're gonna be in sports. I think it's a, it, that's a very important time for family physicians to have that conversation with mom and dad because that physician knows that child's risk, that physician knows that, that, that family and what that family's risk profile is, I think they, can, they, they should have that conversation and make that an option that's available to them right now. As far as the two to five-year-olds, we're still waiting on that vaccine to come out. Uh, I mean, it's, it's not widely available yet. So if, you know, folks don't need to run out and get it right this minute. But I suspect by the time school's starting, we're gonna be in a position where your local family physician would be able to you know, have that shot just like they have the flu shot available, your MMR shot, or whatever else you need to go back to school. That's the issue, is the fact that kids do need a certain set of vaccinations in order to be able to go to public school. Would this then just be added to the mix? Yeah, that's a question. I think the policy side of that is still outstanding. I know we have, um, we we did not require, uh, for instance, in, in Texas, state agencies. Now, this actually, school districts became exempted from this when they proved they're not state agencies just because they report to uh, the Department of Education. But I think you have a political climate that differs from one place to another in Texas. So you may have a um, one district where there's a, a very strong political will that says, yeah, we, we should require this vaccination. You've got another district that doesn't. I think what, what happens is we look back at the data we did not see any significant outbreaks of COVID. Um, you know, by and large, we didn't see wide scale, a whole district being shut down. 
Uh, we saw more disruption, if you remember, several years ago, probably 10 years ago now, with the swine flu, when we were shutting an entire campus down to have it scrubbed and cleaned. Um, we're not seeing that. Part of that is because many kids, many adults, have had COVID and don't know it because the symptom profile has dropped, right? So if you don't have a fever, if you, you know, there, we've got tons of stories of folks who thought they had an allergy outbreak, went to the doctor and found out they had COVID. Well, by the time you test positive, you've been spreading COVID for two days, right? In light of that, we didn't see any major outbreaks in schools that I think would be a motivator to say, let's require this vaccine. Um, now that said, it, it's, it's a policy decision the local district can make, just like they make a decision on flu vaccine and, or on um, MMR and diphtheria and all these other things that are required. Are parents still concerned about possible side effects for their kids? I know there were some uh, rumblings about uh, types of myocarditis in, in right. young kids and, and young athletes. Is that still a concern? Um, it may still be a concern among parents. Now, that said, this vaccine has been tested and it's been approved by the Food and Drug Administration, right? Um, it's the same process, it's the exact same process that we went through to get our cough medicines approved, that we went through to get our Tylenol and children's Tylenol approved. What's different is this medication is new. And because it's new, you know, there's still this sort of hesitation in the back of my mind. Well, but what if three or four years from now we discover that X, Y, Z will happen, right? This is why it's that calculus inside each parent's head where they really do need to cut through the, uh, the strands of information and boil it down to what we know, right? Um, for the vast majority of kids, they're gonna have this vaccine and they're not gonna have any side effects whatsoever. Um, and for some kids, it's, you know, that's enough that, that parents are willing to say, yeah, you know, I believe in this, I believe in this vaccine, it's worked for me, it's kept me healthy. Now it's available for my child. I don't, you know, my child's got an underlying health condition or we've got a family member that really can't catch this. It's worth it. I believe it. Let's go do it. There's still going to be a chunk of parents who are in the wait and see, right? And it might be a year or two. And then they come in and say, okay, I, I think I feel comfortable with this. What about the question about kids that have come down with COVID that might have a natural immunity? Does it last? Does that natural immunity last longer in children as opposed to adults? Is it just a good you know, idea? Yeah, David, that's not something that I that I know for sure about. I do know um, that the immunity from having the disease is tied to the the strength of your immunity. The length of the effect is tied to how severe your symptoms were. Um, that is lasting longer than what we're getting from the medication now. What's interesting, the, the COVID vaccines are showing us that your um, resistance to being infected drops off after some number of months. That's why we're talking about boosters. But your resistance to serious illness seems to be staying, right? So while over time, if you're vaccinated, you may catch the disease, you're far less likely to be hospitalized, you're far less likely to require uh, extensive medical intervention you're probably just going to deal with the symptoms of a bad cold, right? Where it gets tricky, and this is what a lot of parents are weighing, well, but what does that mean if my kid, you know, we're, I can't isolate my, my nine-year-old, right? I can't send my nine-year-old upstairs to live by themselves for, uh, for five days. So what does that mean for the rest of the house? If mom or dad aren't vaccinated, now all of a sudden it becomes a complication.
I had one more question to to deal with as far as selling the vaccine, as it were. Now that a lot of people are not wearing masks any longer, COVID is no longer really top of mind as far as an important um, subject matter going on in this country as we deal with inflation and, and everything else that seems to have, you know, taken over the news. How do you sell the vaccine for small children when we are not seeing people wearing masks all the time? We're not worrying about you know, PPE at the hospitals? Yeah, I, that's a great question because part of this is the, uh, is the psychological expression of how we deal with disease, right? Uh, and you're right, in 2020, um, you know, I still remember wiping down groceries when we brought them in the house. Uh, I don't remember the last time I did that. Now the disease hasn't changed, right? Um, the virus is still prevalent in our community, uh, but the symptoms are much less severe and I think we're less afraid of it. Um, so again, what, we'll, what we tend to see, what we've seen in the past two years is as it becomes front of mind, as we have an outbreak, as God forbid, we get a variant um, that actually goes in reverse direction and becomes more severe, right? Then all of a sudden, I think we're going to, it changes again, that calculus that parents are doing and they say, okay, I'm, I, I, the side effects are not my concern anymore. My kid can't get this disease, right? So it, it's less about selling it and more about, and, and this will happen naturally over time, just becoming another disease that we deal with like the flu, right? Yeah. We go get our flu shots. We don't worry about it. We might feel cruddy a day for a day after we get our flu shot. But no one questions that it's a good idea to get a, to get your flu shot, right? Eventually, the sort of political uh, um, ebbs and flows around this are going to settle out. And this is to become a healthcare conversation and not a political conversation. And that's when we'll start to see these measures take hold. Dr. Tim Bray is the director of UTD's Institute for Urban Policy Research. Dr. Bray, thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.